Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is springtime. And before we get into today's topic, which is applicable games, uh, totally applicable, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite creatures to unleash upon poor hapless players known as vermin. Likewise, our episode will be infested with vermin in a real-life fashion. As a mama bird has decided to build a nest and lay eggs and let the little shits hatch in the attic right above our heads. So, today's topic is vermin. Seems fitting. Very fitting. So, uh... You know who I am by now, maybe, possibly. I don't know. Fuck, sometimes I forget. I'm Game Goblin. I'm sitting along with these two yahoos. Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. So, journey with us three GMs as we take you along for a wonderful, magical ride into tabletop role-playing with Vermin in today's episode. And enjoy the sounds of baby birds randomly... Fucking shit. <laughs> Screaming for attention. Screaming for attention. So here we go. Here we go. Yeah, um so I I really enjoy as of the newer GM here. The use of vermin in certain modules or in, you know, the general rule of thumb gaming. You got a bunch of level ones. You go to a tavern, your first job is uh, exterminate the rats. Go forth adventure and slay thine enemy. Um, and that's pretty classic. I mean, how much more classic can you get than that? Oh, I can get super classic because Vermin, as a GM, and always has been since I first started Vermin, are one of my go-to points for any horror game. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like having, like uh, we saw earlier, giant butt flies on the list. Just show your players what real butt flies do to flesh and let their imagination fill in the rest when you go, now, in your char- player character's encounter, giant bot flies. <laughs> or, of course, you know, if there's an infestation going on and somebody slashes open the uh, mercenary they expect to be guarding the bridge and maggots spill out. <laughs> Always fun to do right when you're serving your group rice. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for me, vermin are... The role-playing version equivalent to the thing. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a good analogy because they can really play on people's fears. Like, well, if that's what a botfly does to regular flesh, imagine what a giant botfly does. Ugh, that's that's a lot of nope. Yep, and insects, of course, fall in almost every fucking category. They can be beneficial, benign, malevolent, horrible. They can be meat-eating, flesh-eating, horrible things. They can travel in swarms. They can travel individually. They can be parasitic. You have a lot of options. I love them for horror factor. And, you know, they don't even have to just have six or even eight legs. Because I think arachnids fall into some of those categories, too. Yeah, arachnids can fall in that category. And even then, you can go into millipedes, centipedes, exactly. giant leeches, which... I know it's Narcissus' favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if you're reading the Zathir series, you also have Nickelpedes and Dollarpedes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah Man, there's, that's there's a callback. So things, uh, you know, scarabs are a flesh-eating bug, but the way they were portrayed in the Mummy movies in the early 2000s, they were vicious flesh-eating bugs. You know, so you could always throw in something like that. But you brought up giant bot flies, so let's take those as our first example here on what to expect. Sure. No problem. Got it pulled up right here. Why don't you read it off for the viewers at home? Alright, so we're starting off with this foot-long... Oh, Jesus, that is giant. Foot-long gray and black striped insect looks like a cross between a bee and a fly with an oversized head and bulbous eyes. Yeah, that's pretty much a bot fly. Except they're leaving out the uh, vomit factor. I would give them a, a bot fly... On its own is a vomit factor, I'd say 3 out of 10. They're pretty nasty looking, but otherwise they're just 
giant flies, but you include the larvae in there and they jump straight to a 7 out of 10. Especially if you've ever seen a, blot, a, a, a dog that has uh, become host to bot fly larvae. So yeah, definitely a gross factor of 7 out of 10. Pretty gross, but still doable. Uh, for some reason, the giant botfly is a foot long, but is counted as a neutral tiny vermin. It has decent initiative at a CR one-third, so three of these is good for a first level party to encounter. So initiative of plus two, not bad. Has dark vision 60 feet, which I don't know why. They're not nocturnal. They are actually dayurnal. But whatever. And apparently it cannot perceive for shit, so why even bother adding perception to it? Probably because they have to. Well, I would say that perception would go up to, like, say, a plus five if you uh, slathered the dwarf in uh, feces. Yeah. Gross. Nothing like a dwarf covered in shit. It's their natural habitat. <laughs> uh, AC 14, which is pretty damn badass for a CR one-third. Touch AC of 14, also badass for a CR one-third. They only have a measly four hit points, which is actually a lot for something that's only a foot long and smells strangely like a Subway sandwich. <laughs> Weird. And like many vermin, they are immune to mind-affecting effects, which is actually really important as part of the horror aspect goes, because you cannot charm, intimidate, or make them otherwise go away, so... You have to deal with them by other, much more destructive means. Uh -huh. The special attacks, of course, they included an infestation, which is a uh, call to what real buttflies do. Apparently, somehow, they have plus 12 to their stealth rating. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, the size benefits are going to account for a good chunk of that, right? Okay, um, but uh, there's this whole thing of it goes... Yeah. Okay, Blasphemous here has lived out in the country, so he knows what I'm talking about. He knows the route I'm going here, because I lived out in the country, too. And in the desert and in basically the, the jungles of what we call southeastern America, if you want to call them jungles. It's just fucking hot and humid, though. It sucks. Uh, during the summertime, anyway, it sucks. Uh, we get some big bugs out there. Cicada summers. Cicada summers, dragonflies. And anybody who's seen a dragonfly obviously knows that they're only like three inches long, but you can hear them. Well, there like... can be up to eight inch long oh, dragonflies. Yeah. Well, I'm talking here like uh, in the suburbs, right. you know, like three inches, the big ones you see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've seen them bigger too. And still, you hear them from a good 20 feet away. Yeah. So to have a foot long insect. Um, With a stealth of plus 12. That seems weird. Yeah. When you, like,. Yeah, but uh, at the same it's... token, you can you can sort of mask it if you have ambient bug noise is already part of the description. I, I would say as if, if, it, if the character players are in a setting where there is a lot of background noise, totally, I would grant stealth bonuses. But if they're out in the woods and they just happen to go by an area where there is a lot of giant butt flies... The only way I'm giving them a plus 12 to stealth is the butt flies are just hanging out on the sides of trees... Uh, just camping in the shade, basically. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, they're not a big thing. From the wrong angle, it could be easily seen as probably bark, although the coloration's a little off. Uh, natural camouflage. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we read off what infestation does? Because All right. this is kind of an important thing for this creature. All right. Yeah, this is important. This is uh, the, the signature move for a bot fly. And, of course, bot flies, anybody who's looked into them goes, ooh, nasty. So what we have here is uh, pretty cool from the first fucking line. God damn, I, I'm liking this already. Upon each successful sting attack, the giant bot fly implants an egg in the victim subcutaneously, which means just below the skin. Each implanted egg reacts to the warmth of the victim's body, triggering its hatching. One day later, holy fuck, that's fast, the egg releases a pupa that devours the host's flesh as it develops, growing to the size of a small mouse, at which point it reaches its larval stage. If left untreated, the larva continues to develop until it kills its host or when week has passed. Okay, and that's where we really separate uh, fantasy botflies from real botflies. But still, that's 
pretty gross. Uh, for Horror Factor, you know, to have something alien living beneath your skin, eating away at your bone and tissue, it's pretty gross. Yeah, and like, it also makes comment that after that week, when it's been the larva, it burrows out of the body, which is its own whole batch of horror. See, chest bursters. That or it's just going to start singing at a diner and, you know, <laughs> check please. What did he have? What special? He had check, a special. Please. Check, please. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, actually, though, the, it's got a DC-10 heal check, which is uh, fairly easy for any heal-based character to do in a Pathfinder or D20 system. First level, a heal character can do that easy. Oh, yeah. That's one or two checks, tops, and uh, the downside, though, is each successful attempt does 1d4 points Each attempt, period. Yeah, each attempt, period, whether or not it's successful, does 1d4 points of damage, or just a plain remove disease spell, and problem's gone. But most people don't pick that up because they don't think about it. As Kaz and I definitely know when it's necessary in-game... No one has it, and then once something happens, we have it. We never used it again. Yeah. And, you know, let's make a note that the larva infestation, an ongoing DC-10 save once a day, um, con damage. This is a CR one-third creature. Where does it say con damage? Right there. Ah, you're Weak, right. Uh, frequency one for day per day for one week. Effect one con damage per larva. Okay, well, we got to get into the differentiation here because I, a lot of GMs get confused between damage and drain. We're talking damage. Damage can be healed. Just normal rest of relaxation, you will re heal one of your con points of damage back per day. Now, if it's drain, that's when you go see a preacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for a first, for a CR one third creature to have this as a freebie add-on to all of its basic attacks, because I don't see any others in there, that's spooky. And here's what's worse: is if you look down, I love how they have the ecology page. Warm jungles environment, of course. Yeah. Organization: solitary, pair. Or a colony of 10 to 30. That is terrifying. Uh, 30 would be a CR 10 challenge. So 10's level characters fighting a colony of 30 is totally applicable. Still scary as shit. To be honest, I would run it against a bunch of level 8s. Yeah, that would be that would be a high challenge. A to be honest, I would throw the Paragon template on these. Oh my god. <laughs> and just we'll get on keep... the templates in another episode. Yeah, we'll get on templates in another episode. Like, throwing the Paragon template on those would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, plus 10 strength as this thing flies and tries to inject its larva into your guts. <laughs> oh, gods. Uh. Or mutant, so they're all telepathic and communicate with each other. Ew. So you have the uh, swarm acting in tandem. That's even more terrifying. There's so many options that you can do with templates, but that's, that's yeah, a better episode. Yeah, templates is neither here nor that's another uh, episode. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> bot flies, yum. So, I'm seeing helix moths, which come in two categories, larva and mature. And that seems like an interesting thing to look into. Alright, well you look into it. Holy God, CR10. Okay, that is terrifying. It's the, it's the size of a horse. It's bigger, no, it's bigger than, than a horse. It's two horses. <laughs> so it is a 20-foot long insect. It has a black abdomen wrapped in spiraling bands of various color and a white underbelly. Three sets of translucent bluish-violet wings extend from the body. A small black sword-like stinger protrudes from the end of its abdomen, and its maw clatters with dark gray mandibles. Okay, um, just from that description alone, the internet has ruined me that black sword-like stinger that protrudes from the end of its abdomen. I can only think of is, um... Uh, 
Uh, J Love from Loader. No, I'm thinking of Ovipositor. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Anime has ruined me. Yep. Yep. This makes sense. Curse you, Bible Black. Oh boy. Uh, but no, the funny enough, what it made me think of was uh, the old um, Gulliver's Travels. Hmm. When he's on the Isle of Giants and the giant bees come after him and he steals its stinger, uses it as a sword. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how well that would work. Yes, please it continue, would... gentlemen. Carrying on. So this neutral, huge vermin is worth 9,600 XP. It is a challenge rating 10. Pretty... Eh, I'm going to call it moderate for that level. Like, CR 10, moderate with a C with initiative of plus 6. It's not super, but at the same time, the damn thing's huge. Um, it also has Tremor Sense. And that, Dark that's Vision. A, Tremor Sense is a big win in any book. Yeah. Respect. Why am I picturing Graboids? You're probably not wrong. I mean, there is a larval form for these things, too, which is scary. Um, so, AC 23, 10... Uh, for touch, flat-footed 21. Um, respectably large health pool, although a concentrated party is going to tear through that in no time. Uh, 120s. Easily attainable. If yeah. you can hit the damn thing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Melee, bite... Acid dam or two D eight plus five plus acid and grab. Yeah. Hail sting a plus fifteen plus poison. Ooh. Oh, that, that just oh, that's terrible, man. That thing like that stings. Well, no, it, it'll fucking sting you. Then plus unskinny bop. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, bump. guys, but that's a bitch band. That, that's just a rude fucking attack right there. <laughs> yeah. Blues, it's got a strength of fucking 20. Dex 15. Con 16. No intelligence to speak of. Wisdom 11. Charisma 2. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But where it gets you is where it, with its uh, mind-based uh, screw-you ability to uh, give you a negative 4 on your attack rolls. Yeah, no kidding. So it's it's called drone. It's from the beat of the thing's wings. It's got three sets of them, and they're always going. It creates a droning sound that is audible up to sixty feet away. This droning clouds the minds of all creatures within thirty feet that hear it, except other helix moths. It requires a successful DC twenty-one will save to negate it. The save DC is based on its constitution as a creature because. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. On a failed save, a creature suffers minus four circumstance penalty to attack rolls, checks, and saves for one minute. After this time, it can try a new save. Same DC. If its droning can still be heard and the creature is, is within range. If this save fails, the creature remains affected for another minute. Ad nauseum. Uh, successfully saving it makes you immune for a day. The dronings are free action so long as it's airborne. On the ground, it may meet, it may beat its wings as a move action, and now we need to scroll. Yeah, scroll, scroll. Come on, scroll. There we go. Ooh, With yeah. the same effects. Yeah, this thing is actually pretty fucking brute. Well, okay. So an AC twenty-three and a free. Oh, hey, you make a save. You fail that minus four. Yeah, so basically that means its AC is effectively 27 at that point. Which is... That's actually pretty hard to attain. It's uh, yeah. doable, again, level 10, or CR 10 party, or a party... And since it's will-based, it pretty much negates your fighters. Yeah, they're going to have a hard time. See, that's when the thing of being a marksman is great, because all I got to do is hit it once and max damage. That's why I play sorcerers. Because magic don't care about size? No, well, not just that, but... Does that... Um, it, it forces me to make a will save. Mm -hmm. Which counts as an attack. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the magic items that I would equip my character with would go off before I have to make a saving throw. And the encounter's over. 
Yeah. Friendship um, bracelets of doom. Friendship bracelets of doom. God damn it. <laughs> right. So let's take a look at its poison, just because it's in the same, you know, bracket. This is a freebie on its sting, by the way. Yeah, let me scroll so you can get a better look at the whole thing. Oh, no, it, that, it's a very small thing for the poison. Yeah, for the poison, it's tiny. Mm-hmm. It's just basically... Um, uh, one, one per round DC 21 uh, con. No, yeah, it, it doesn't actually say it's a fort save. No, no, it's a uh, constitution-based save DC. Well, that just means that it's using constitution for its save DCs for both of its yeah. special effects. It's still going to be a fort save because it is a uh, poison... What really gets me though is you have um, you have to make two consecutive saves to stop it from doing its bullshit, which is one d four strength damage per yeah. round. Which is one d four strength damage per round for six rounds. So that's at, a lot. So at max damage, it that's does twenty four. Twenty four at minimum damage, it does six. And still, even though it's six damage, if you fail all of your saving throws. Uh, from your fighter, you have lost six da- uh, six points of your strength. Six points of your strength, so that's which is minus three to hit, minus, minus three, three to damage. Minus three you- to hit, minus three to damage. On top of the minus four circumstance penalty you're already getting, so now you're at a negative seven to hit. Just trying to swing your sword at the damn thing. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that is hideous stack debuff. So even at minimum, your stack debuff is negative seven to hit. At worst, it's minus 28? Uh, no, at worst, you are jelly on the ground. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Because not too many characters have 24 or more strength. Yeah, once your strength hits zero, you are jelly on the ground. You can't move. Oh, goodness. That's pretty terrifying. So, at worst, you're uh, apparently moth food. Which is why this is a CR10 thing. Yeah. This explains why its health is... Relatively, now, this one I would give to like some level nines, maybe some level tens at the earliest. Yeah, like they they need to have their shit together, or this thing's gonna wreck them. Yeah, I got some CR sixes. I wonder how they'd like this. <laughs> Still, like these things live in you know big ass forests and shit. I would be taking one step further and have them fight this, but. The group would not realize until it's all too late that it's already been into a fight with giant bot flies and the larva about to hatch. Oh! Little Russian I... doll action for my game there. Oh. Know, they kill one monster and another monster pops out of it because, you know, they just happen to be. Right. Really bad timing. So here's That's one uh... that is just really fun to throw at low level, or you can throw them in, you know, giant pools. It's susceptible to salt. Yeah. Which means if this creature was in D&D, whatever the fuck the latest edition is, 5th? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That means it's weak to scathing rebuke. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's weak to uh, really dank memes if it's susceptible to salt. Vicious mockery. Yeah, vicious mockery. There we go. I cast Dank Meme. I cast Dank Meme and the giant leech dies. <laughs> too much salt. Oh. Yep. So, Blasphemous, you chose this thing. Read it off. A parasite ballooned to monstrous proportions undulates in the muck. Its circular maw of... Sp- uh, is a... Oh, yeah, I was like... What the? Yeah, it's a spiral... Yeah, spiral of teeth. So just it, it's just a horrible, horrible, horrible mouth that sucks bodily fluid out of you the wrong way. Um, so it's a lamprey. It's yep. CR two, so it, it's low level, six hundred XP, neutral, medium, vermin, aquatic. So that's for, for perspective. That's in the like the five foot range, which is a. Fucking massive leech. Yeah. But it gets better. Uh, it gets so much blind better. Blind sight, 30 feet, scent, perception zero. Because, uh, you know, as I, I'm a big fan of running horror games, this... <sighs> there's a druid um, 
archetype, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that, that was first introduced in 3.5, which is basically a vermin mancer. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine running into a druid. Doesn't matter if they're elf, they're human, they're gnome. Doesn't matter. They're uh, chartreuse, whatever. Uh, but you run into one of them who's a vermin mancer, basically, who controls vermin and other mindless creatures. And they actually, like, really enjoy it. Too much. Like, uh, adult level too much enjoy being a vermin mancer. No, imagine running into a vermin mancer in their hut, and you've interrupted them with their giant leeches. That is images nobody needs to see burned through their retinas. This is why I run horror games. <laughs> that is an image you do not want in your head, now is it? Neither no. do I, but still... Imagine running into that, and then now you have to fight them because they're pissed off because you interrupted fun time with their giant leeches. Yeah, so now you've got a caster as well as mm -hmm. minions, which have a nasty habit. And most of these, if you notice, this is another one uh, that does damage to stats. we got a theme here with vermin. They and certainly seem to have it, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I knew this going in. I was just waiting for you guys to also notice it. This one also does attribute stats uh, damage. Yep. So, a vermin mancer having fun time with their giant leeches. You just got done fighting a giant fucking moth, a fuck ton of bloat flies, and now you have to deal with dex damage on top. Because <laughs> the only way through is to go through the pond. And guess what? They have a stealth check of plus one, but a plus nine when they're in a swarm. A swamp. Swamp. Oh, swamp. Well, a swamp is not a swarm, yeah. but it no. might as well be because it's a swarm of water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's beyond the thing of I'm. Let me skip to the bottom a bit. Uh, yeah, a brood of three to six, giant fucking leeches. Yeah. Ew. Well, yes, yeah, because they're hard to see in water. That's mm. why that we get the the bonus for stealth in water. Mm. I think it's specifically in swamps because of their coloration. Like clear water, you'd be it'd be oh, yeah. fairly easy to spot something that big and dark moving around. Oh, absolutely, around. yeah. I used to pull leeches out of the uh, creek out in the backyard. They're fucking pain in the ass to find when they're in the water. On land, you look for the shiny thing that looks like a worm that's black. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, in a swamp though, the the water typically isn't a very clear color. It's... Even when the water is clear, it's murky as fuck. Yeah. Uh, especially the bottom with the like sediment. Like the sediment, yeah. The sediment is a lot darker than it is in uh, most other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would do it. It's weird. So Water is weird. Okay, so this attach changes its AC. So that's actually, I think we might have been misreading the dexterity. But it does have yeah. blood drain, which does con damage, and I know that from weasels. Weasels? Yeah. Yeah, one point of strength and calm damage. Yep. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Both at once. That's, That's a nasty two combo. barrels there, man. That's a nasty combo. Oh my god. All right, yeah. so, so if I barrels. was a summoner of sort, or a magic user, right? Okay. How would I go to adjust this uh, leech for doing charisma damage? It makes you uglier the longer it's attached. Well, no, charisma damage isn't just ugly. Yeah. Uh, charisma, charisma damage, damage is also loss, loss of, of personality. Loss mm. of loss of personality and losing the drive behind your force of will. Yeah, it's like having your uh, id just stomped on. Yeah, your ego's doing fine, but your id's not really there to fuel the rage battery or do anything. Now the problem I see with this is it's susceptible to salt. So a handful of salt burns giant leech as if it were a flask of acid causing 1d6 points of damage per use, which means that they're essentially really evil giant slugs. The problem with this, though, is now I can't make a combo weapon. Yeah? Yeah. What if I want to shoot somebody with rock salt, and then I'm like, you know what wouldn't work better in this situation? A leech. A leech cannon. Yeah. That fires leeches whenever there's a base drop. How am I going to make a dubstep gun that shoots leeches at people if we have somebody in the party who's got, you know, rations? Great, they're going to throw a slab of beef jerky at it and it'll kill my pets? <laughs> Damn it! It depends on how it's... Uh, it depends on if they used smoking as a way to dry it rather than salt. 
you might be but able to get away with it. Salt usually was the more reliable one to get rid of all the uh, bacteria and such. Mm -hmm. Smoking it was more for high-end meats, for people who could more afford it. Salt was something that everyone literally worked for and tried to get, and it's the more common way of preserving. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, like, these things are middling outside again, of a swamp, but they're yeah. kind of terrifying so, in one. Giant leeches, though, again, this is another one of those things that I would latch onto as a, uh, a GM that who likes to run horror. Yeah, the not tiss. Yeah. Okay, you get yourself a bunch of small water balloons, right? And you fill them up only like a quarter of the way. So they're not going to pop or anything. You put said water balloons inside of a plastic bag, and you put the plastic bag inside of a box. Right? So the, the plastic bag is just there to prevent leaking or anything going wrong with the water balloons inside. And then you add a little bit of soap. Just to make it slippery inside this box filled full of partially filled water balloons. And then, you know, like, the players are going along, and you're like, aha, you spring the trap. Have player look away from you and go, okay, put your hand in the box, please. When the player puts their hand in the box, they're going to feel slippery, slimy, partially filled water balloons. But then you go, you've just fallen into a pit filled with leeches, and this feeling on your hand is actually on your entire body. Now the biting starts. Allowing <laughs> fuck with people, because they would just, like, the imagination would take over, and they'd be like, oh, and you're like, yeah, now the tiny little teeth start to kick in. You know? I mean, there's just a fuck ton of them. There's a fuck ton. A swarm of leeches, I would do more than I would uh, giant leeches, but still. Yeah. Either way, neither great. I'm just saying, as a horror GM, that there's a lot of potential for leeches to really mess, mess with, with someone's head. Yeah. Aha, I was right. Spiders are in here. Of course there's spiders There's a giant subcategory for just spiders, so pick one and we'll take it. There's only one spider I would do here, and yeah. I do not see it. Oh my god, really? Mm. <laughs> a Goliath spider, colossal size. As if the natural ones aren't big enough. Ugh. Well, the thing about Goliath spiders, if you look at the videos of them in South America, they're like the size of dish plates, literally. And they run at like 60 miles an hour. But they're not even the biggest spiders in the world. That goes to a... I believe it's in the Philippines. It's a huntsman spider that lives in caves and runs after its prey. Yeah. But not just runs, but it also kind of does this little jump in the air and then rolls its legs into like a ribcage looking thing and then rolls after its prey. Yeah, there, there are some... That, well, the Goliath will do the, kind of the same thing. It's a bird eater, but if the prey is on the ground, it'll chase it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're non-poisonous. So and, you know... Hurts. Oh. Now that we've talked, taken the baseline, right, these... In this world that we are standing, sitting, listening to this podcast in. Okay. They're the size of a dinner plate. They are, yeah, they're approximately 12 inches across from tip of one foot to the tip of the other. Okay. Now we're going to gigantify it. Even freaking bigger. So why don't you read that off then, Kaz? So a, a single... Goliath spider, this massive brown and green tarantula is the size of a large house and has huge razor sharp fangs. Yeah, real shock there. It is a CR 11 creature with worth 12,800 XP. Mediocre initiative, dark vision 60, tremor sense 60, perception plus 4. Its senses aren't great, although tremor sense is a big one. Uh, uh, there, there's a couple of problems I see here. Thankfully, this is a fantasy game, but I immediately see two problems jump out at me. Oh? Yeah. First off is its speed. Like I was just saying, in real life, a Goliath spider is approximately the size of a dinner plate. You know, about 12 inches. Uh, what is that in centimeters? It's, it's a fuck ton of centimeters. 30. Uh, 30 centimeters, I think. No. Not 30 centimeters is closer to a yard. We'll get back. No, a meter is a yard. Oh, whatever the fuck. Um, I don't do metric, okay? <laughs> Canada's on fire. Let it burn. Uh, so, but do continue. The, the okay, speed well, of this thing. speed is 40 feet. And in real life, they have been clocked going anywhere between 50 to 60 miles per hour, depending on conditions. But that, that's usually only in, like, 100 yards. It's still fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. 
So, and these are just slightly faster than people. Only slightly faster. Or they're about the same speed as a monk at first level. The big kicker, though, the, is the reach. No, the big kicker is, thankfully, these are fantasy creatures. Thank but the gods. If I brought these in, and there will always be that one asshole who forgets that you're playing a fictional setting. Oh, yeah. There, there's always that one asshole who forgets fictional characters. You know, magic laces the atmosphere, yeah. laces their bloodstream. Yeah. What yeah. Magic, elves, dwarves, sorcerers, but... You get that one guy who forgets this shit, and he will probably argue the fact that the Goliath Spider cannot exist at its size. Yeah, well, the damn thing probably eats elephants and shit to get there. Well, no, no, the, the, well, the problem isn't just the amount of calories that would it need to ingest and the protein and all that to maintain such a sizable form. The fact is, it's a, it's got an exoskeleton. Yeah. So all that weight is actually not like... It is not insignificant. Well, it, it's it not only not. that, it's also the way these things breathe. They breathe through holes in their skin. So at that size, they cannot process enough oxygen. The holes would be larger than their actual body to process the oxygen necessary to get all the fucking body going. Yeah. Uh, Ergo, a... magic bullshit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ergo, magic bullshit, yes. Um, but it, I'm just saying... And I'm pointing this out, that if you run a giant spider of this size, you might have that one asshole who goes, ah, actually. As a DM, you're you're right, and responsibility at that point is, dude, fiction. Fictional characters. Fictional world. The rules are different. Suck it up. Exactly. I, I just wanted to point that out, you know, as we're getting into this. One, speed is bullshit. I mean, uh, number two, it is a, uh, has an exoskeleton. <laughs> and at 30 feet of the size that they're uh, calculating it to be, uh, it would not be able to support its own weight. Wouldn't that thing be like 12 tons or some shit That'd like be that? way more than that. Yeah. Hey, I, I thought I was highballing with 12, but yeah, you're probably right. It's going to be... <laughs> this thing is the kind of shit that would build its web between skylines. Yeah, this, uh, the Goliath spider in real life is something like 2 pounds or approximately a kilo in weight which is very large which i believe a kilo is like 2.3 pounds uh something like that something like that. i i eh, it's foreign who cares it, it's foreign yeah um so, so but on the other hand one of the stats i see on it i really like as a gm hmm. cmd combat maneuver defense 44 that's really good. I like <laughs> Plus that. another eight on top if it's trying to trip. You're trying but to trip it. Fifty-six versus trip, cause fuck your trip monkey. <laughs> Go ahead, trip a house with giant fangs on the front end of it. Dude, it's got plus twenty-three to climb. Yeah. Uh, shit. Uh, I mean, it does have a climb speed besides that, but uh, again. We're disregarding. Fictional, fictional, we're fictional, disregarding its saying, weight like, and breathing. Well, no, no, no. It's just and circulation in real for life. Blood. This isn't even just biology anymore. In real life, the Goliath spider uh, has a tendency to chase down its prey. It's a, it's a bird eater, and if its prey is on the ground, it'll just run after them. You know, get close enough like a trapdoor spider would, and just grrr and get it. They're they're not really all that known for being tree climbers. Not like banana spiders. So it's got this huge climb skill to it but that's not typically where it hunts because usually it's on the floor or close to the floor. Although if it is at that size, it might be hunting dragons. Goliath spiders have a similar problem to tarantulas and tarantulas are not all that big uh, as far as, you know, goliaths and shit go. Tarantulas can get pretty big. I have, I've had some as pets, you know, and a force... Thank God that thing died right before we moved in together. <sighs> at least I didn't have OBT. Mm. Now, those things are evil. We had one we called it Dr. Zayas because it was just a mean little fucker. Uh, orange bitey thing, um, which is the nickname for a specific breed of tarantula. But tarantulas have a problem. When they fall too far, they have a tendency to just explode. Again, it's another problem of the exoskeleton. Right. It makes sense. So a goliath spider climbs up a small tree, and the tree tips over, and the goliath spider falls out, and it's fucking dead. 
Yeah, it's going to have a bad time with it. I mean, it has some positively redonkulous strength stats and all that jazz, and especially being octopedal. Um, it's going to have, like, if somehow... You know what? Actually, here's how we use this. Well, this is a city move. This is like, park your house on top, feed it whatever it needs, and somehow you've brainwashed the thing to carry your house. Baba Yaga style. I mean, granting it's not chicken. That would chicken. be great for a boss monster. Yeah, yeah, it would. Like, yeah. How terrifying is that? This like, gigantic fucking like, spider like a, with armaments on top. Like a uh, a splinter group of um, basically the above surface version Wait, of Drow. No, no, no. Even better. It's the first part of the Drow invasion. Or, or Ooh, yeah. it's a it's a siege weapon with the Drow. It's got like yeah. three riders on it. Like, they got a cleric of Lolth riding on its back. Keeping like it the, from munching that, their forces. That's basically the banner waver to, to, to lead the rest of the elves into charge. That would be fucking amazeballs. Yeah. I would not want to fight that as a player character, but that would be awesome as a GM. So, yeah, amazeballs. <laughs> yeah, and, like, with its size, like, it could carry fuck tons of weight well, not it, because not of how it would distribute... It would have to distribute that weight. Well, remember, it's only the size of a house. It's th- well, That's still the size of a house. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, but what I love also is you could also do like a scene, you know, where like the player characters are involved and somebody has to report to said cleric of Lolth that you know things aren't working out well enough in our siege. It's got to reach a thirty feet, so the cleric makes an example by having the spider just stomp on him from 30 feet away. <laughs> bonk! Just Bat. bonk! You're dead. <laughs> Kidding me? It would eat you. Oh! And it has a trample attack. Ugh. This is a siege weapon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Damn. 48 plus 22. So on the With low end... With a DC 32. Yes. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, then again, you are getting hit by a large house with fangs. No kidding. This thing is like basically the spider version of a Winnebago. <laughs> Please note, right? Stealth minus seven with a plus one in forests. After its racial modifiers of plus eight stealth and sixteen in store in forests. <laughs> Jesus, I still love that plus fifty six versus trip. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? How yeah. are you going to trip something that has a single leg wider oh than the horse? So hold on, let's look at its ecology real quick. The okay. solitary pairs or a colony of three to six. You got six of these things in a fucking unit. Ugh. Oh, that is horrifying. Goliath spiders are giant hunting spiders that most often play on large creatures, giant like giant scorpions, snakes, and younger dragons. But, see, you're right. See, I'm like, these things hunt dragons. They have to be big and strong and fucking brutish. Because, like, they... Oh, my God. Again. And they'll sometimes, you know, catch and paralyze smaller prey for, you know, snack time. This is still another one of those horror elements, though, that I could really uh, just stroke myself off to. It was sadistically. The player characters that enter the forest are looking after, you know, the fucking MacGuffin. And as they walk along, they find the dragon, like, wound up in a spider cocoon that's been shriveled into a husk. Yeah. You know, just, That's terrifying well, in its own right. Like a and younger then, green dragon. Like a younger green dragon has just been cocooned and like sucked dry and is hanging from a tree. Given the reputation that everybody who's ever played Dungeons & Dragons knows, when you see a dragon, you flip the fuck out. But to see a dragon that's been eaten by a spider, you know, you're just like, whoa, we're not in Kansas. Well, it's funny because one thing, something we haven't really touched on with a lot of the stuff we've discussed, is treasure. Now, I, as a player... Would be like this spider silk's got to be worth a lot of money if you can harvest it. Yeah. If you can harvest it, and that's where the harvesting checks would come. This in. is where I play stuff. a ranger who's also really rich. Yeah, I mean, not I may not be combat effective as a ranger, but goddamn, I am rich. Mm. Okay, so let's let's throw a couple of quick notes at their poison, right? Okay. Injury based poison, fort save DC 23, frequency 1 per round for 6 rounds. That's not too bad. At 1d6 strength and. Da- 1d6 strength, assumedly damage because it actually doesn't say, plus paralysis for 1 round. Cure is 2 consecutive saves. 
its web effect, because all spiders, uh, beyond a certain point, get a web attack that just shoots. Yeah, no, somehow they there. just do the, the Spider-Man, you know, web butt shot. Bullshit. Yeah. Is also affected by the creature's poison. It has the capacity to shoot webs in a 10-foot square. Actually, 10-foot radius? 10-foot radius burst. 10-foot radius, so 20 feet. Everything in that 20 feet now makes a save against the poison, which includes paralysis. See, I would have totally made it a cone. Yeah, it would make a lot more sense for a, a cone. A cone or a line would make a lot better sense, but... I guess it basically spitballs over the Again, top of the Yeah, like here, artillery here style. Here we go, here we go. Is it fantasy and fiction. <laughs> uh, we're just trying to say how it would look so you can describe it to your players. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But as far as treasure goes, like these, uh, they have incidental treasure. Mm. Uh, the thing about vermin in any situation, unless somebody is really clever uh, or crazy or otherwise, you are never going to find vermin. That have treasure hordes. That have treasure hordes or are wearing treasure unless it's like a worm walker mm-hmm. or a very rare um, vermin type that actually has mental capacity. And one thing most vermin have, almost all vermin, is they're pretty much brainless. They act only on instinct. So the treasure, like in this case, being incidental means... Well, that dragon it sucked up must have something. The dragon it sucked up may have treasure inside its gut or belly still... Or, again, with the uh, drow, using it as a walking siege weapon. Well, the drow are the ones with the treasure, incidentally. Right? It's the drow treasure that's or more relevant. You're there. in the spider's hunting grounds. The treasure is basically whatever the fuck the GM wants to throw in that's around the ground where the spider's been eating. The spider itself won't have it. It won't care. It's just another thing. It doesn't do it. It doesn't feed it. It doesn't really help do anything, so who the fuck cares? Unless uh, a wizard or somebody, uh, like a druid or whatever, has specifically put the spider to guard a location and guard a chest, there's not going to be any treasure. Yeah, and even then, you could take it as the treasure is whatever's left of the things it ate. The treasure is you still have hit points. Yeah. You still have hit points and you can continue your journey. Enjoy your treasure. Yeah, no or kidding. you could really get into harvesting bits of it to try and sell. And this is why I mentioned Ranger, because my Ranger will be rich. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, interesting bits. From you take a weird. lot of points in knowledge nature. You can do a lot of neat shit. Circumstantially survival as well. And survival, this is how, you know, you kill off an entire army of minotaurs when you're just a fucking ninja. <laughs> and it was still counted as a stealth kill. Alright, we've got enough time for one more, so let's move on to another category. Alright, let, let's find something really, really out there. Really out there, because I mean... See, there we go. Like, I was talking. There's one right there. We'll talk about that after the fucking podcast. But that is... For those who are listening, the worm that walks is something that's going to have treasure. It's an infestive, but it's it's smart. It's smart. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, worm that walks can cast spells and shit if there's... It can cast spells. It can collect shit. It can... What in the hell is an Angus? Anghenfil? And it's third party, doesn't count. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's go. Like, I saw velvet ants. I'm like, what the fuck? That was way down at the bottom. Uh, it's velvety. It's oh, it's a venom. Vel- velvet ant swarm. Okay. It's a swarm. And swarms are uh-huh. the bane of groups who do not know how to work together. No kidding. Because if a swarm is the, the, the moment everybody knows how good, how prepared, and how ready. Your spellcaster is to rescue everybody else's life. Because when a swarm shows up, typically it's the guy going, I cast Fireball, who's going to save the day. Yep. Because the fighter will flat out fucking panic. Yep. I can't hit him! It's single targets! They're so small! What the shit? Well, I mean, that's what happens when you only when your only I trick is swing a stick. I my sword. 
That ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> I, I've seen swarms do so much horrible shit to people, and it's always the spellcaster who looks at everybody, rolls his eyes, and he's like, alright, I'm fucking on this, give me a moment. Alright, cover your ears, hold on to your asshole. Sometimes... Bam. Yeah, sometimes the cleric will be like, hey, I can help you out with a couple of spells, but usually the cleric is just like, I'll keep the fighter and rogue alive while you deal with the issue. <laughs> uh, so, interestingly... This Velvet Ant Swarm, a CR3 vermin swarm at diminutive size, they're worth 800 XP, but they're generally peaceable. So unless one of your one of your players decides to walk in on accident, or somehow just does something stupid... Or they're the low-level summon trap. Also possible. This, this is basically... Um... Like those nature documentaries, the Velvet Ant Swarm, where you're watching like ants walk along a line and they're doing ant shit. If you just jump over the line of ants and continue, or step over it if the line is thin enough, and just go your merry way, the ants will leave you the fuck alone. But if you step in the path that the ants are going... That's when trouble starts. That's when trouble starts. So, you know, CR3, respectable fort save, um, decent... Hit points, decent AC. I mean, 17 AC is not horrible. 27 HP is not grand. But then again, swarm mechanics. Oh my god. Mm. I would just like to give them intelligence. Oh. Well, because I'm thinking, ants. Okay, this is me doing real life shenanigans again. But ants can be a liquid or a solid. So if I give a velvet ant swarm... At certain parties, they're a gas. At certain parties, they're a gas. Ha-ha. But if I give an, a velvet ant swarm intelligence and bond with it as, like, a, uh, a warlock right. or a wizard or... The ones that... Magus. That's the one I'm thinking. Yep. As a Magus. Then I have a liquid metal or a liquid ant sword. Liquid carapace. A liquid carapace sword. That can change into a sword or an axe or a hammer, whatever I need it to, because it's just an intelligent ant colony that I wield as a weapon. I <laughs> would be see. Badass. I would do it more where like I'm wearing like these long, kind of flowy robes. Yes, right? yes. You and would I need the them, thematic. I have them on as like an Under Armour, and all I do is pocket ants. <laughs> Dude. Well, the best part about it though is like when you know, like your ass crack itches, your clothes can just scratch it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. You'd be like the only guy walking down the street, you know, and, you know, it's like a hot day, and you're the only one who doesn't do the sidestep thing like all the other guys because your clothes are already taking care of the problem. Yeah. It's like, hey, swarm of ants, can you shift, you know, my dice bag a little bit to the left? Thanks. Bam. Boom. I'm ready to do some fighting. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, man. that But it, w it would be pretty crazy to, to give them intelligence. I mean, that's definitely some... Oh, God, or imagine making a mechanized army of tiny ants. <laughs> I can do it! <laughs> By what level? Uh, let's see, mechanized army of ants. Uh, what, what, are, are we going, like, pure artificer, or are we going sorcerer, are we going wizard or cleric? Uh, best case scenario. Best case scenario? Off the top of my head, I would have to say level 5. Level 5, what class? Uh, for arcane caster. Okay. I would have to say for an arcane caster, pure class level five would be the earliest, and you would need a shit. Oh no, no, I could even for base class, yes, I could do it by level five. But if I went into summoner, I could do it even earlier. Or not, not summoner, alchemist. So you could be the most horrifying thing ever. No, no, because uh, with alchemist you go with Promethean alchemist, which is. Weak sauce as fuck. Super. It is one of the worst goddamn classes one can fucking even think of playing. It is terrible. Than a ranger. I challenged myself because you you know how I can if I get out of hand I get really out of hand to the point where even I walk up to the GM and I'm like oh I'm sorry dude <laughs> I got carried away again. Here's so, why. I specifically played a Promethean alchemist to hobble myself because they are just so. Dirt shitty. I'm like, I need to make myself weak sauce so I don't screw everything up for the GM. And or players. And or players. Unfortunately, I found that the Achilles heel is simultaneously the awesome sauce of Promethean Alchemist. They All of their craft 
uh, golem skills are based off of alchemy. Mm-hmm. All of them. Okay. So, if I was to be a, a golem maker, and I want to make a flesh golem, I need, you know, craft uh, leather working, craft bone working, then I need alchemy, then I, uh, if I do an iron golem, I'll need metal working and smithing. If I want to make a glass golem, I need glass blowing, I need identify silicates and all other shit. With Promethean Alchemist, all I need is alchemy. Just alchemy. Mm-hmm. That is the only skill. It covers everything else. All the other craft skills, just alchemy. So if I want to make a swarm of ants that are, you know, CR 120th each, uh, craft alchemy, craft alchemy, craft alchemy. No way. I, I will automatically succeed on every little ant I make. And since it's such a low CR, it'll take me like five minutes per ant to create. I'm basically walking like around with an that? eyedropper and just... Pressing the button on the eyedropper and making a golem once every five minutes. Now, hold on. There's that type of ant from Australia where they just consume, consume, consume until they become basically like a giant jelly ball. And then they regurgitate out the, the juice or honey or whatever they had to feed the rest of the colony in the lean times. Now, what if you did that? You basically made, I'm thinking like the bottled... Uh, Bottle gnomes, the the little mecha bottle gnomes. Oh yeah, the bottle gnomes. Yeah, yeah. Do that with ants, though. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's it's doable. Easily doable. Hell, I could see that as something like an elven colony might do. Like if that, like that might they might do that as a tap system. Oh my god, that again. You guys are gonna be a great idea. <laughs> I fucking hate elves, so I would uh, say gnomes or another group. But can you imagine somebody like, especially for druids, because druids really get shafted. In, in a lot of ways but can you imagine like a uh, I want to say a hunter-gatherer tribal society very primal right but when they travel they travel a lot like the velvet ant swarm say they, they worship ants for some reason okay fair enough and all of their houses are made out of uh, ant swarms so it's just okay time to go ooh wait so they basically walk out in the forest and you see a bunch of huts and stuff in the trees. And the huts have a weird uh, chitinous appearance to them, but you know you really wouldn't think of anything of it because it also looks like grass. But it's basically just like a shitload of ants that have woven plants and stuff together and they're all holding onto each other's legs. So the actual like druids who run the, the collective order basically live up in the tree houses. Now, now here's another one. You're talking about gnomes. Gnomes. Mecha gnomes. Mecha gnomes. They, they study the natural world in order to figure out how to make a thing, right? They want, like, a, a mechanical bear to go get them shit or something. Okay, a mechanical bear to go get mechanical beer. Why not? A beer bear. Um, so they, they studied ants. So they found out how fucking awesome they are. So everyone just has a fucking mecha ant colony to, like, clean up their hut. To go do the fucking yard work. To get rid of other pests. Oh yeah, totally doable. Oh yeah. To get rid of other pests, that means, you know, you unleash your colony of ants in the orphanage. Problem solved. <laughs> I mean, they, the rats are going to be in for a nasty surprise. That would be so fucking awesome. <laughs> Just a wave of mechanical ants, you know, taking on like a rat swarm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pikachu, I choose you. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Pika, Pika, motherfucker, Pika, out of here. <laughs> Still, I think that would be kind of an interesting, like, story usage. Yeah. Because most of this, like, we've we've sort of brought up a lot of combat, but, like, we haven't really, like, Goblin has brought up, like, oh, yeah, Druid doing things. And, you know, we've brought up other cultures using the vermin to do things. Yeah, I can totally see somebody worshipping uh, ants, because, again, ants are... As far as, you know, nature's little fucking do-shit things... Ants, ants get are, shit done. Ants get shit done. They're uh, highly cooperative. They Ooh. have a massive amount of survivability. Anybody who looks at an ant colony, you know, from... Without even an education would be like, well, that's kind of cool. They all work together. They all get shit done. They deal with problems as a swarm. Collectively, but see, there's a lot of stuff people don't get about ants because I've done a bit of research because yeah. while they're terrifying little creatures. Oh, they are terrifying. But there are like horrifying. ten different roles for ants to play in any one colony. Like that's why if you get like the ants that are all just walking out and about looking for food, you get a bunch of those. 
they're not going to fight because they're not warriors. They have That's actual not their job. warriors that are larger and have the bigger class B bits. And then if you go back into history, there were ants that had literal tusks and horns coming out of their head. The devil ants. Spooky. They're fucking badass. Sorry, I just... Devil ant! Yeah, call in! Devil ant! Devil ant! Call in! <laughs> oh my god. Now wait. Now you get these ants, you throw a demonic template on them. <laughs> double, just to double down on the nasty factor. <laughs> now he's gonna go and write a whole new campaign. No, I, I, I just want to. I'm the Verminator. <laughs> I just kind of want to do a campaign right now where the, the uh, characters get caught up between like this town caught between two ant colonies that are fighting each other. Because again, ant colonies will fight wage each other. war. They wage war. But one ant colony is actually like all of the ants have the fucking infernal template, and the other colony, all of them have the celestial template. Who do the players side with? The devil ants or the angel ants? <laughs> now wait, I just thought of a cool campaign. Um, say you're you're low level guys, and you're like, oh, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna go adventure this? And the wizard who's supposed to be training him is like, you know what? Here, all of you, drink one of these. They all drink it. They're standing at the edge of this sort of like, say, about an acre long area, and the wizard's hut is all the way over there. Everyone drinks it, they start shrinking. He's like, Well, you all are going to shrink down to about the size of ants, and your first adventure is to get to my house uh, to drink the antidote to grow back to normal size. And you only have a week to do so. Honey, I shrunk the adventurers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. That's literally where I was going. With that. <laughs> uh, still, like, that would be an entire campaign on its own right. And it would be kind of an interesting adventure to do. Oh, yeah, because then, then you'd have to get down to everyone was a diminutive size. So you would have all those uh, characteristic changes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That'd be fu- fucking hilarious, actually. See, I want to do something like that. One of these days, though, one of these days, I'm, I'm going to get a chance to run a game and then scare everybody with the, um, uh, like a kaiju, with the epic template and the paragon template slapped on top of it. I'll only do it if I get to have uh, powdered kraken. Nope. What? <laughs> the whole goal of the group will be to activate the volcano to get the uh, other kaiju to uh, yeah, wake up from his slumber and take off, uh, fight the space version of himself. <laughs> and of course, and as we just mentioned earlier, there are giant moths. Mm-hmm. But come on, all I want to do is, you know, have this epic battle trying to crawl up the kaiju, fighting whatever parasites live on it, to get up to its eye to put liquid or uh, powdered kraken into its eye to summon a kraken in its fucking eye ducts. Well, holy fuck, dude, I just went back in time. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there was a video game uh, called Loaded uh, for PlayStation 1. I played like super ancient times, and on the the CD case it said that the game had the biggest boss ever in a video game. Mm-hmm. Literally, it was just that dude. You were running up the, the the battle map was the boss, and you had to run across the the boss monster like on his arms and his legs, his chest and stuff, and shoot polyps. <laughs> you, you had to basically shoot. Uh, cancer growths off of his body to weaken him before you could actually like climb up to his face and shoot him in the eyes <laughs> and like his eyes were huge like he was a massive it was a big boss because the boss was the battle map multiple battle maps from the sound of it yeah well thankfully the screen scrolled so. oh okay yeah without but, that it would be kind of a real tough thing yeah all, all right. those loading screens. Oh, yeah, we've, we've gone quite a bit over yeah, time. Yeah, we have. What can we say? We were infested with ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just crawling all over the eaves. Well, you know, sometimes... We were a bit of a hive mind there. Sometimes, you know, it's a slippery slope and you just got to worm one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, like today's topic was definitely, you know, we hooked onto it, but then, you know, we had to ringworm around it. Mm. Yeah. But I, I hope, you know, our episode, you know, is at least flatworm enough for people to get uh, into their, you know, guts and deal with. I mean, yeah. we've sort of spider-stepped around this whole topic, yeah. haven't we? we? We have. 
We definitely blow right over it. It wasn't slugging along as much as I thought. That's right. <laughs> All right, so my final thoughts for Vermin, of course, I'm going to end the way I started today's episode, is if you're going to do a horror game, Vermin. Vermin are nasty, scuddly, gross things. Praise be to Namira. I mean, hail the divines. <laughs> Talos be with you. Um, yeah, if you're doing a, a, a fucking evil game, always remember that the vermin, because uh, they're out there with slimes for icky, nasty, gooey, get you in that visceral place, primordial horror. Humanity has been scared of bugs since uh, we figured out that they can bite us and we can die, so. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go with that. That's my final thoughts. Goblin going back to my crypt. I think vermin are an interesting thing insofar as they make really cool tools, if you understand how they work. You're a tool. Uh huh. Har har. But as, like, the whole idea of just a walking... I mean, yeah, sure, maybe a one-room little, one little hut, but <laughs> parking it on top of something that eats dragons? That's pretty badass. And I think it would be an interesting way to add a cultural point that you can bring into your game with how a, you know, probably a smaller uh, culture will interact with living things around them. It's kind of cool. And I think, you know, a clever GM can do a lot of smart things with it if they have the intention to be creative with it. And with that, Kazarkan, back to the skies. Oh, my last thought is never, never be afraid of your creativity. If you can run across something or you're stuck just flip through a book that, you know, in the same game system or even something outside of it and make something work. Uh, sit around with a copy of the bestiary of any system and just be like, ooh, what about this? And next thing you know, you've just written a short campaign to do the one-shot on. Always fun. Uh, don't be afraid of vermin. Darth Blasphemous signing off. Quick, everyone, flee! <laughs>